Hello and welcome to the Intuitive Writing Podcast, a production of the Intuitive Writing Project, a writing-based empowerment program for girls and gender-expansive youth. We are dedicated to giving young writers a safe, encouraging, non-critical, unconditionally supportive space to write their story, speak their truth, and assert their voice, both as writers and as leaders. For a bit of background, my name is Elizabeth, and I created this program 11 years ago because it's what I wanted and needed when I was young, a supportive place to be truly seen and heard. That's why we use the Amherst Writing Method, a radically nurturing and empowering writing methodology I wish everyone learned in grade school. You can read more about the Amherst Method on their website and in Pat Schneider's groundbreaking book, Writing Alone and with Others. But the basic principles and the ones that guide all of our classes are number one, everyone is a writer with important stories to tell. Number two, everyone has their own unique voice, a voice that needs to be heard. And number three, our voice will grow stronger and clearer the more it is supported and positively affirmed. In our classes, everyone writes together, everyone shares their writing, and then everyone takes turns giving each other grounded, positive feedback. By that, I mean we repeat back and lift up the words, lines, phrases, or concepts that really resonated for us. Since we can't violate the sanctity of our classes by recording what goes on there, these one-on-one or three-people conversations are designed to provide a little glimpse, a microcosm of what happens in the classroom. You can also read about our org and read our students' words as they were published on our blog, The Intuitive Voice, with the links below. If you enjoy listening to one young reader read their words and talk about it, imagine how powerful it is when six young writers are reading their words and giving each other positive, affirming feedback. It's pretty life-changing, and there's a lot more I could say about it, but I'll let these young writers speak for themselves. On behalf of all the writers at the Intuitive Writing Project, I want to thank you for supporting their voices for being present and really listening to the wisdom, insight, and brilliance of young people. Today, I'm so honored and excited to be interviewing one of our original writers, our OG, Audrey Lambert, who is here with us today to talk about one of her more recent pieces of writing. Um, Audrey, if you would introduce yourself to our audience, tell us your current age, um, where you're going, your age, pronouns, where you're currently going to school, what you're studying, and then if you would mention to our listeners when you started writing at the with the Intuitive Writing Project. Okay, um, I'm Audrey. I use she, her pronouns. I'm 20 years old, and I go to Reed College in Portland, where I am majoring in English with a create with an emphasis in creative writing. So awesome. And you started in sixth grade or fifth grade. So like grade. You were in, I know I said this before when we were interviewing with somebody else, but I want to say it again, because this is going to make you the most famous 
writer of the intuitive writing project <laughs> forever for as long as we exist you are our most famous writer because you were the only one from our very first class <laughs> who continued to write with us all the way through until you graduated and even now you are at college studying creative writing and you got to write with us we had a little um sort of alumni class this past summer and you and several other people wrote there so you are if i could give you some kind of oscar for that <laughs> i'll figure it out someday i'm going to give you an award for it um, but i'm so grateful that you're here um, you have so much to teach and illuminate because you have been writing for so long some mm -hmm. of us start later actually i'm a, even though i wrote the whole time when i was younger i didn't really start sharing my writing until much later in life so i think your experience of having written from the from basically age 10 you have already like a history of knowledge about writing um so i thought i would ask if you would share a little anecdote about your first memory or one of your first early memories of writing before you came to our program when you were really little um I remember I think it was probably first or second grade I think it was second grade um we had to write like a how-to book like how to something and um I wrote how to get dirty which I didn't realize was like kind of an innuendo because I was a little <laughs> baby um but I wrote about like playing in the dirt and Aww. like going in my creek in my backyard and stuff <laughs> and <laughs> my teacher was like you have to publish this like it's so great <laughs> looking back on it I'm like why would she say that with a title like how to get dirty written by a seven-year-old like I don't know what she was thinking but I thought that was pretty funny <laughs> oh that's so cute what I think it's when you know that it's when you said you were seven, immediately I was thinking of Mud Puddles too, and I'm sure she was as well. But if you didn't have the context, that would be a very yeah. um, <laughs> weird book. <laughs> that's so brilliant. Also, it's just a creative idea because that's something that yeah, I I wanted to be not like the other kids in my class. Yeah, I wanted to be yeah different. <laughs> yeah, and also it's kind of a early feminist piece because. <laughs> girls are so conditioned to be clean and tidy like boys are quote allowed to be dirty and girls have to be clean so that's kind of radical yeah I mean yeah I mean it might have a bit to do with growing up with an older brother but oh, I, right. just, I don't know I was a weird kid I guess <laughs> you are a magical kid I love it um okay so a big departure from that first piece actually you've been it's been such an incredible honor to watch the evolution of your writing in middle school. You wrote the most fantastical fictional stories and continue to do so in high school. And it's been recently, I feel like you've been finding your voice as a poet as well, which is just so cool. And all of your pieces are really deep and profound. So I'm going to have you, honestly, it was hard to choose which piece to have you read because <laughs> I want everyone to read all of your writing and hopefully we'll get one of your own personal anthologies published soon so people can't meanwhile you can go on our blog intuitivevoice.org you can actually look up several of audrey's pieces and the piece that i'm going to have you read today is one that you wrote this summer and um 
I encourage listeners to click on the link under this podcast so you can follow along and see how it's written, see where the line breaks are. And there's a play on words towards the end, which you will appreciate most if you are reading it. Um, mm-hmm. The title is just right, R-I-G-H-T. Um, but just know in advance that we're playing with right and right, right and writing, W-R-I-T-I. T-E, right. Um, so just know we're playing with right and right. So if you would um, go ahead and read Just Right. Okay. Just Right. You're so shy, they say. You're so quiet. But don't you know how loud it is in my school? You can't hear it. Thoughts like a spinning top. Sorry, I don't feel like speaking to you. Nothing personal, really. It's just, I don't think you could navigate these echoing canyons. I can barely read the map myself and the white water is too dangerous for you. Trust me, you'll prefer the quiet. Sometimes there's too much for me to say for me to say it. Other times you ask me a question and my rapid river turns lazy. The skull is a barren desert, pin drop silent. So I scrape scrape up whatever tumbleweeds are left at the bottom of the barrel and choke out some stuttered, half-coherent something just to satiate you. And as soon as I've said it, the dam in the drought-dry canyon cracks and my skull floods with everything I should have said. You're so quiet, they say, and they look at me like I'm a goddamn ghost town, head in the clouds and full of helium. Sorry, I'm better with words when I don't have to really say them. It's all about timing, really. I never have the right thoughts at the right time. I say too little, and I think too late. There must be something wrong with my brain to mouth correspondent, because my brain to hand to pen to paper junction is so much smarter. You're so quiet, they say. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just thinking. Too fast or too slow. Goldilocks must have stolen the just right. Maybe that's it. Just right. Just right. I'm not quiet. I'm a writer. I save my words for later. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> it actually moved me to tears a little bit, I think, because it's so <laughs> relatable. And I think so many people who are writers deeply understand the truth that is being expressed here. I can't describe in words how deeply I relate to that whole um especially the second to last stanza there must be something wrong with my brain to mouth correspondent because my brain to hand to pen to paper junction is so much smarter god (laughs) I have I just writing about this the other day that when I was young when I was like grade school and middle school and high school I really thought I had brain damage because I couldn't I felt like I couldn't get the words that were in my head out of my mouth. I still feel like that, but it's Mm -hmm. evolved a little bit. Now the problem is even more complicated, but the way that the writer has described it, I feel like it, it absolutely would speak to the soul of virtually every writer on earth. (laughs) It's such, and the pain of being called, being misunderstood. I think that's what Mm -hmm. also moves me. The repetition of what the world quote says, you're so shy, you're so quiet. Mm -hmm. And then that's such a, oh my God, that's like 
not seeing the truth of the person at all. Mm -hmm. And I love how the writer conveys the complexity, the depth, the um, kind of, I would call it the genius that's actually happening inside of them that they can't just like spit out. Um, I like that line. So I can choke out some stuttered, half coherent, coherent something just to satiate you. Like you have to say something. So you're going to say mm-hmm. something. And then, of course, it's not anything like what you wish you could have said. That damn in yeah. the drought, dry canyon cracks in my skull floods with everything I should have said. That is the story of my life. <laughs> like coming home afterwards and being like, why didn't I say that? Actually, it's usually I go I'm someplace and I don't articulate myself right. And I come home and I start journaling about it. And when I'm writing, then I figure out what I want to say. Mm-hmm. But I just think in addition to being so relevant and to and relatable to every writer, I think it's so beautifully and powerfully expressed thoughts like a spinning top. Um, oh my gosh. And this idea that like people think they want to know what you're thinking, but do they? I don't think you could navigate these echoing canyons. I can barely read the map myself and the white water's too dangerous for you. Trust me, you'll prefer the quiet. That's such <laughs> a great line. Thank oh you. Oh my God. Um, I also love, they look at me like I'm a goddamn ghost town, head in the clouds full of helium. It also makes me think about... <laughs> I love reading about ghosts. This is probably how ghosts feel that we, they can't communicate with us mm. either. And they're probably really frustrated. They're like, I have complicated thoughts too. And people <laughs> just assume that it's something like there's nothing there. Um, I'm also reminded, reminded of that phrase, still waters run deep, which is something most people don't mm. understand. If there's silence, they think there's nothing there. But this writer it makes it so clear there's so much more going on beneath the surface. And then, of course, your final stanza is just a total mic drop. Um, Goldilocks must have stolen the just right. Maybe that's it. Just right. And then this is where if you can, people can click on the link and see the writing. It goes from just R-I-G-H-T to W-R-I-T-E, which is that's the antidote. I love how the writer expresses the frustration of being able being a writer more than a speaker which we can really all relate to and then reclaims their power i think that the last three lines are just such a a reclamation i'm not quiet i'm a writer i'll save my words for later (laughs) it's like suck it this is Mm -hmm. i've got so much more going on and this is how i communicate I communicate on paper uh, with written language. And you guys Mm -hmm. just have to wait for that. Wait till my next (laughs) novel comes out. (laughs) Then you'll know it's on my mind. It's so good. I want to share this with, um, actually, I am going to be sharing this next week with a middle school class. And we're going to use this as a prompt. And I think they're going to be- I'm so um, honored. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) they're going to be blown away as- you know, when you're in middle school, college age, I mean, high school sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but they're going to be really inspired that you're in college. And I just think it gives, I think the most important part of this is that as the writer is expressing her frustration and 
claiming her power, she is simultaneously giving permission to all other writers to, first of all, know you're not alone and to claim your own power as a writer. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the little misunderstood thing about claiming power is that it actually gives, the more we all own our power, the more everyone else is free to do the same thing. You give, it is permission, 100% permission mm-hmm. we've given to all writers who struggle with this, which is including myself. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so now I wanna ask you about your creative process. Um, mm-hmm. This particular piece, I don't even remember what the prompt was that night, although I always usually say, just write whatever. But I want to ask you if you remember when you started, when you started out, did you have a clear idea of what this piece would be or did it just happen and or what was surprising to you about the process? I think if I'm remembering correctly, the prompt was something about like, write about something that makes you angry or something or something that like you're misunderstood about something like that and I mean my whole life people have called me shy and quiet and I hate that I it's absolute pet peeve of mine um and I know I'm not the most like social person but it's still it's it feels like an insult even if it isn't um and I think I sort of just wanted to get that out there first and then I don't know I think I was thinking a lot about how even academically like I'm not the most like participatory in class um because I feel like I start I have an idea and I start talking and then I forget what I'm saying and I just feel like I sound (laughs) so stupid in my classes with very intelligent people um but then I sit down and I write an essay and I'm like, I am smart. Like I yeah. do, I do have thoughts about this. I just yes. am horrible at articulating them verbally. Um, <laughs> and so I think that's something that I find pride in that I'm able to write mm-hmm. well academically and creatively. Yeah. And um, I think, yeah, that kind of brought me to the just write area of the poem and I think I just I don't know I think it flowed very like organically through me because it was a little bit of a rant in some ways yes yes. um and then I think I was just I just started the like the too fast or the too slow and that just made me think of Goldilocks and I was like oh Oh. there it is there's the the big ending big fat so (laughs) it's so interesting and it's like the too fast, too slow sort of stumbled out of you. Like you you intuitively did it without thinking. And then that led to the next, the final. Exactly, yeah. I want to make a quick plug because what you're talking about totally comes from this great book. Did you ever read, um, the name of the book is Just Quiet. And then the subtitle is The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. Um, have you heard of that book or did you read that? I haven't, but that sounds okay. great. I'm going to give you that book because I think everyone I've talked to who is on the introvert side feels so validated. And when you were just saying about it's you hate when people are like, you're shy, all that stuff. That is 100% a judgment, particularly in America. Different cultures have different values. You mm-hmm. know, like Asian cultures generally value more quiet, reflective mm-hmm. behaviors. But America is the biggest extrovert obsessed country ever. Mm-hmm. And 
uh, one of the things she talked about in this book is like, even if you're not an extrovert, you feel like you have to act like one and there's all this judgment about it. And it's just, it's actually a real problem. It's such a problem that she had to write a book about it. So I think you're going <laughs> to really like that. <laughs> uh, but um, the way, funnily enough, even though she like, describes the science and all of the like all these studies that she's done about it I still feel like you've expressed the problem more eloquently and concisely in this poem than she did in her entire book and you also the solution which is just claim your power as a writer talking is weird we've <laughs> talked about this before I mean I am technically an extrovert but I do feel like there is some kind of weird disconnect between my brain and my mouth mm -hmm. and I have trouble speaking all the time words I'm always anyway um one of the things that we've talked about before that I, if you think about it too much makes it almost impossible to speak is if mm -hmm. you think about words that we're saying are just weird sounds we're making with our tongue and our breath and they're just sounds and they're I mean objectively meaningless sounds but you know what I'm saying and I know what you're saying and how weird is that that's so weird it's like anytime I think about like the process of speaking it really like I'm like what how did we get here like <laughs> what am I what am I doing how am I making these noises and they all have me right it right. blows my mind <laughs> well and you know because you've extensively studied Spanish we were just talking about this the other day that it's easier for you to read than to speak it because mm -hmm. there's two different things and there are sounds in Spanish like the um the double r yeah um, that is a, a movement of one's tongue that I cannot for the life of me replicate. But no, it, I'm I'm bad at that too, which is part of the right Spanish speaking problem for me. Right. But it's so crazy that as babies, we can so easily learn whatever the people are doing around us. Mm -hmm. But once we're older, it's like, what? Our words. I, I have I, some people are amazing and speak like eight languages. And mm -hmm. It's incredible, and I feel like English is hard enough. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> I can barely do that one. But we are much more comfortable writing. So unfortunately, I have to keep asking you to talk about writing. Um, <laughs> so if you just could give advice to any writer of any age, but especially young writers, about your what you figured out over the last. Oh my God. If you were, you remember writing your first piece when you were seven? Is it seven when you wrote the house? Yeah, book? yeah. So that math, what was that? Seven minus, is that 14 years now? Yeah, 13, 14, yeah. Okay. You have been writing for over a decade. In your experience, what do you do to get ideas and also where and or? What do you do when you think you have an idea and you start writing and then you're like, ah, oh, got nothing else. How do you get out of being stuck? Um, I think for in terms of ideas, I feel like a lot of times I'll just have one sentence or one line that or something I've been thinking about that mm -hmm. sort of has is a starting point, a jumping off point for me. And I'll just sort of free write from there and see if that comes anything comes out of it um and like otherwise for inspiration sometimes I get stuff from songs or even just like I don't know the the internet or like the news I don't know I'll read something and I'll think 
a certain like collection of words and that will spark something and I'll get like fixated on that and then I'll I have like a notes app full of like sentences that came to my head or things that I read that I just thought were interesting and sometimes if I don't have anything I'm not generating anything I'll go back to that and pull something from there and see what I can do with that and then in terms of getting stuck once I start writing something this actually happened to me for one of my creative writing classes recently in school um I had a line that I really liked and I like that's what I wanted my short story to be about and I wrote the first sentence and I just couldn't I couldn't get away I couldn't get away from it so I moved that to the end and wrote to it I made it my end goal instead of my beginning that's so creative which was yeah it was super helpful that's so interesting yeah I mean I think too like I'm still learning a lot of stuff like we had a visiting writer um Kaming Chang who wrote a collection of short stories called Gods of Want was really beautiful um really really incredible writer and she came and talked to our class and like bed for the whole English department basically oh. <laughs> and she had so many interesting thing, things to say. Like she was very like anti like the traditional writing route. Like she talked about how your title can be your inspiration point. And oh. I've done, I've tried doing that because of her and oh. yeah, just like taking a metaphor and making it literal and having that become oh. like the magic of the story. Like for example, what her example in class was, um, like if you wanted to say like the sun looks like a yolk of an egg you make the sun a yolk and have it be like dripping down and like oh. you make a metaphor something literal and see where that takes you and you're writing I and love it, that that has been really generative for me too I love so yeah she is that. incredible <laughs> that's so inspiring that's another prompt I'm gonna have to share um tell me her name again because I wanted uh Kaming Chang we'll put this in the notes yeah. okay that's amazing. Um, I think it is at the root, what you're describing is it's a process of you have to leap when you find it's like um, jumping rope. You have to find your moment and jump into the rope and it may or may not pan out, but you just got to jump and get started. And then mm-hmm. once you're in there, then you got to trust that something else will kick it. Yeah. In the same way that you were inspired by that line or that idea, that phrase, you're trusting that once you follow that inspiration, there will be like, it's like one yeah. word. Leads to like next. even sometimes if I'm writing and I like have a goal that I'm writing towards, but there's something else that s- comes up, like as I'm writing, that's more interesting yeah. Yeah. to me than I'll follow that. And just sometimes you have to ditch your original idea too. It's not, it is, you don't have to like put yourself into a box and you know, mm-hmm. you can let the writing process be, creative and not just like that is so (laughs) brilliant that and that says explains so much about the quality of your writing through the years so many times it's very normal you know there's a bunch of prompts and a couple people are like yeah I'm not really inspired I don't want to write about and we have to talk about it you have never in my entire whatever 11 years (laughs) of knowing you lacked for an idea and I think it's because of exactly what you just said. You really let the process be creative and you trust it. And you mm-hmm. like kind of, it's almost sounds like you like surrender to it. Like you're like, I'm yeah. in the river. Where yeah. are you going to well, take me? 
Yeah. I think once I have something, my brain, like a lot of times when you give us prompts, I'm immediately like I pick something out of it and I'm like, okay, I'm thinking about what I'm going to write. And it's like already up here. Wow. And then I start writing and it's like getting away from me. And I'm like, okay, reel it in. <laughs> what, what do you want from the stream of what's coming out of your head? What do you want to write? And oh, then I, I pull from that. that. And I love that. yeah, I don't know where I learned that. I don't know how I do that, but it's, it's your intuition. I guess. <laughs> you are, you're, you are the, um, the icon of intuitive writing because you do follow your intuition <laughs> and intuition is, you know, it's the, it's like the wholeness of who you are. It's all parts mm-hmm. of yourself integrated. And I think that kind of brings in when you were saying, sometimes you think it's going to be about this and then you realize that the piece is actually going to be about this and let mm-hmm. it be about this other thing to not try to control micromanage it. Cause it does feel to me that your stories, it shows up so clearly in your stories. Like, they have a life of their own. Once you mm-hmm. get them started, it's like the characters, and I've read about this, people say, like, once you find the character, it's like they are telling you what they need to say. Mm-hmm. And you're just transcribing. No, sometimes I'm, I must look so crazy sometimes when I'm writing because I'm like, I'll like be having this conversation, <laughs> but like I'm two people or like however many people I'm writing about. And it's like, I'm like, everywhere and then I'm like okay wait I'm getting ahead of myself I need to write this down before I forget what I'm the conversation I'm having (laughs) I think that's amazing I think that's true for you have a talent for fiction writing which I I'm not I don't have that strength it's amazing and I don't know that there's a way that one can if you think about every fictionalized story ever invented I don't know that you can write it without having those conversations in your head and I think everybody goes through that (laughs) but I think the trick is trusting the process and Mm -hmm. not trying to be like oh I thought um Mrs. Smith was gonna have a red hat but I just wrote the chase of purple hat why did I write the chase of purple hat and then you get all tangled up and you're just writing no it seems Mrs. Smith has a purple hat that's what's happening yeah I think too like if you get things down like when you have them you can edit them out later like if there's something like if it takes you a direction and then you're like, maybe not, but like, if you follow it, it'll get you somewhere. And then if you decide that's not where you want to be, like you can pull it back you can take whatever was working from that, continue on that way. Okay. That reminds me of one more question. And this will be our last question. And that's about editing. Mm -hmm. So um, what generally happens in our classes is we only have time for that first draft. And then you share the first Mm -hmm. draft and we give feedback and, I, I know you edit stuff a little bit afterwards, but your first drafts are pretty amazing. But I'm sure in, in college, you have to edit. So how do you, there's this really great line that I always think of when I'm editing. It's um, a British man who said, murder your darlings. And that is when you're editing, sometimes you have to get rid of the line that you thought was so great. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not actually as important as the other stuff. Later, mm-hmm. how is your editing process changed now that you're like, yeah, in college. I think like, I'm definitely still like learning and it can still be like sort of resistant to me to edit. But like, at the same time, I'm so critical of myself that like, once I step away from a piece, I come back to it and I'm like, God, what was I talking (laughs) about? What am I trying to say? But I think like, 
I think it's different from poetry to fiction writing. I think with poetry, you can be a lot more like almost mathematical about it. Like certain like, I don't know, commas, spacing, whatever. But there's also like, uh, like my poetry classes in the past, like she would always have us take everything that we had written Mm -hmm. and combine it into one chunk of prose and then uh, rework that format and see if that was better than the format we had before so, and just like move things around, move stanzas from the end to the beginning, like all that kind of stuff, which I think was really helpful. Um, and I think in terms of like fiction writing, I think for me, it's like trying to tie things together because a lot of times I'll throw things mm-hmm. on the page and it's just like, not cohesive or there's not like a theme or something and I'm writing and I'm not thinking about theme or like meaning and then I have to go sit down and be like okay what was I trying to say (laughs) how can I make it like prevalent not obvious but like right something they're like there's something there you know (laughs) yes oh my god I do that so often and I think that's really great advice to like because it's so easy to get tangled up in your words and go on all these weird detours. And I always have to stop and be like, wait, what am I trying to say here? <laughs> and um, I think it is, yeah, that's part of the editing process. You have to, you yeah. have to try things. You have to go down these weird paths. And then you're like, wait, 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 what, what was I, what was my point? And then you come mm-hmm. back because you never know. That's the thing about writing. And that's why I think it's so important to n- never edit your first draft because sometimes you may feel like you're just, saying drivel and it makes no sense but later when you look at over it or read it out loud you're like oh that line was the best line Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize what an amazing line that was at the moment so you just have to take risks and try Mm -hmm. it and then you can always you can't edit a blank page you can only edit it once you've written stuff Mm -hmm. so I love that you take risks. I love that you try different things. I love that you know how to bring bring yourself back in <laughs> when you go on detours, which we all do. Uh, I think it's I think detours are important though, because sometimes that's the only way to discover things mm-hmm. you weren't expecting. I really agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. Audrey, you are such a brilliant writer. I can't wait to just watch the rest of your life world take note audrey lambert you're going to be seeing her books out in the world someday uh you're going to want to have them autographed you're going to want to come see her (laughs) (laughs) this is just the beginning of your long literary career um actually this was something that thoreau no emerson i think it was ralph waldo emerson said Mm -hmm. when he first read the first poem he read from walt whitman who's wrote you know the 19th century Mm -hmm. poets he said, I greet you at the beginning of a glorious career. I'm paraphrasing, not maybe glorious, <laughs> another adjective. But that's what I feel like. I feel like I'm I'm greeting you at the beginning of a glorious career. Um, and thank you for sharing. And I hope everyone will read your words on the screen so they can see how your the structure of your poem. It was so incredible. Thank you so much, Audrey. Thank you for having me. <laughs>